Hello, this is Dr. Phil Fernandez, the founder of the Institute of Biblical Defense and the academic dean of Farriston Theological Seminary. Today's lecture is lecture number three on the world religions. Lecture number three on the world religions. Today's lecture will be discussing Judaism. Judaism. A brief introduction of Judaism. Judaism is the root of Christianity. Judaism is the root of Christianity. Another way of saying that is that Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism. Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism. You see, the Old Testament is Jewish. The Old Testament is Jewish. The apostles who authored the New Testament were also Jewish. The apostles, the founders of the church, were Jewish. You see, the true God of Israel, the true God of Israel is the God of Christianity. Let me repeat that. The true God of Israel is the God of Christianity. Now let's take a look at the history of Judaism. The history of Judaism. And remember, when we read from the Old Testament, we are reading from the Jewish sacred book as well as from a portion of the Christian sacred book. The Jews accept the Old Testament as God's word, though they would uh, view the New Testament as a perversion of God's word. Because modern Judaism has rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Modern Judaism has rejected Jesus as their Messiah. And so it's not that Christians have perverted the Jewish faith, is that the modern Jew has corrupted his own faith by not accepting the Messiah whom God promised to send. If a Jew would be true to his faith, he would accept Christ and he would become a Christian, yet he would still remain uh, a Jew by nationality. The brief, a brief history of the Jews, God promised Abraham God promised Abraham that he would bring a mighty nation from him. God promised Abraham that he would bring a mighty nation from him. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the Abrahamic covenant, the promise that God made to Abraham. God promised that from Abraham, he would bring a mighty nation. That he would bring a mighty nation from Abraham, and this would be God's chosen nation. God would bring them into the promised land 
and the Messiah would come from this nation. That's what is spoken about when he says, and in you and in your seed, the nation of Israel, all the families of the earth shall be blessed because someday the Messiah will not only save mankind, those who were willing to trust in him, but he will also rule on earth and give peace to the world for 1,000 years. So God promised to bring a mighty nation from Abraham. This would be God's chosen nation. And God would bring them into the promised land and the Messiah would come from this nation. Now Abraham had a son and his name was Isaac. And from his son, uh, from him came the son Jacob whose name was changed to Israel. And Israel had 12 sons who became the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now the next significant person in the history of Judaism is Moses. The Jews had become in bondage to Egypt during a famine and Moses was raised up by God and commissioned by God to lead the Jews out of bondage in Egypt. Lead the Jews out of Egyptian bondage. And the Jews, due to some disobedience, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Now during this time, they received God's law. Moses had led the Jews out of Egyptian bondage. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And during this time, they received God's law although God's law could not save. The New Testament brings this out real clearly, and of course the New Testament is rejected by the Jew. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24. Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. So the law is our substitute teacher to lead us to Christ. It is not the way that we are to be saved. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh shall no flesh be justified. Scriptures are very clear that you cannot be saved by the works of the law, but the law was given to show man God's holiness. But then when man could not keep God's perfect standards, he would see man's sinfulness. And he would see and because God is holy and because man is sinful, man cannot save himself. Therefore, he would look to God for the way of salvation. And the law would therefore lead us to Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. By the way, the church in Galatia was a church that was trying to get back under the law. And Paul uh, trying to justify themselves by the law. And Paul needed to correct them. Galatians 2.21, Paul states this, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. 
You see, either Jesus Christ is Savior who died on the cross for the sins of mankind, or he's a fool who wasted his time there because man could save himself. And so to reject the Jewish Messiah is basically to call Jesus Christ a fool. To teach that you can save yourself by your works is to call, call Jesus Christ a fool. So God had promised to bring a mighty nation from Abraham, and Moses led the Jews out of bondage in Egypt, but it was Joshua who led the Jews into the Promised Land. Joshua led the Jews into the Promised Land after the death of Moses. Tremendous military conquest of the land of Canaan, the Promised Land. Israel was ruled by judges for about 350 years. It was a time of anarchy, a time of unrest, a time where each man did, each man did what was right in his own eyes. But then Israel began to prosper under its first three kings. King Saul, then King David, and finally King Solomon, David's son. And God promised David that one of his descendants would be the Messiah and would, be, would sit enthroned forever. Of course, that was the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David. But after the first three kings, there was a civil war and the United Kingdom of the nation of Israel was split. The southern kingdom was called Judea and that was made up of the two southern tribes. Judea in the south and in the north, the northern ten tribes were called Israel. And so you had the southern kingdom of Judea and the northern kingdom of Israel. After this period of time in the Promised Land came the captivity stage, where in approximately 721 BC, the Assyrian Empire, the Assyrian Empire conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. 721 BC, the Assyrian Empire conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. Whereas in, in about 586 B.C., 606 to 586 B.C., the Babylonian Empire under King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian Empire conquered the southern kingdom of Judea. The Babylonian Empire conquered the southern kingdom of Judea and destroyed the temple. Now, without a temple, without a central place of worship, without a temple, Houses of prayer called synagogues were established by the Jews. Let me repeat that. Without a temple, houses of prayer called synagogues were established by the Jews. The teachers in the synagogues were called rabbis. The teachers in the synagogues were called rabbis, and they grew in importance. Now, after the Jews were held captive by the Babylonian Empire came the Restoration Period. You see, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire knocked off the Babylonian Empire, 
and the Medo-Persian Empire allowed the Jews to return to their land and to rebuild the temple. And so you have the restoration period when the Medo-Persian Empire allowed the Jews to return to their land and to rebuild the temple. There was a period of neighboring nations that began to uh, take away some of the sovereignty of the nation of Israel. They came into the picture and began to put down the nation of Israel. And there was a revolt while the nation of Israel was part of the Syrian kingdom, the Syrian empire had taken them over, Israel revolted and won her independence. Part of the Syrian empire, Israel revolted and won her independence. This revolt was led by Judas Maccabeus. Judas Maccabeus, the time of the Maccabees, this is in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, mentioned in 1 Maccabees and the 1st Maccabees and the 2nd Maccabees, which are in the uh, Catholic Bible, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Well, part of the Syrian kingdom, Israel revolted and won her independence. The revolt was led by Judas Maccabeus. Then from 63 B.C., Starting from 63 B.C., the Jewish nation was under Roman rule. The Roman Empire came on the scene and ruled over the Jews from 63 years before Christ, 63 B.C. During this time under Roman rule, Christ the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was born and lived and was rejected by the Jews. Uh, he was crucified, he rose from the dead, ascended to heaven. And uh, about 30 years later, in 70 AD, the, Jew the Romans destroyed the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD. And so in 70 AD, when the Romans destroyed the temple, the Jewish nation was scattered. 70 AD, when the Romans destroyed the temple, the Jewish nation was scattered throughout the world. But in 1948, the nation of Israel, the people, the Jewish people, recaptured their homeland, the nation of Israel. They were back in the, their homeland in 1948, which was actually the first time since 586 BC where the Israelites had full control of their country. For the first time in 2,500 years. That's a brief history of Judaism. Remember Abraham, God had promised to bring a mighty nation from Abraham. Moses led the Jews out of Egyptian bondage. Joshua led the Jews into the promised land. They were ruled first by judges, then by three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon. Then the kingdom was split, Judea in the south, Israel in the north. The Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom of Israel in 721 B.C. The Babylonians conquered the southern kingdom of Judea and destroyed the temple in 586 B.C. 
the restoration came when the Medo-Persian Empire allowed the Jews to return to their land and rebuild the temple. When part of the Syrian Empire, Israel revolted and won her independence, led by Judas Maccabeus. And under Roman rule, uh, they were under Roman rule, the Israelites from 63 BC, they rejected Christ when he came on the scene and the Romans destroyed the temple in 70 AD. The Jews were scattered in 70 AD, but recaptured the homeland in 1948. God's hand could be seen on the nation of Israel, the nation that the Bible declares to be God's chosen nation. God's hand could be seen on that nation, and that here was a man, Adolf Hitler, and the Nazi, Nazi Germany, the powerful military that he had, when it seemed like they might be able to fulfill Hitler's plans and rule the world, and it seemed like they would wipe out all Jews, and Hitler killed up to as many as six million Jews. It, seems like, it seemed like the Jews in the early 1940s would be wiped off the face of the earth, and Hitler would rule the world. Instead, by 1948, Hitler was just another name on a tombstone. The Nazis were just a movement of the past a defeated army, a defeated nation. But the Jewish people were back in the land of Israel and had regained full control of the nation of Israel for the first time since about 600 years before Christ, for the first time in 2,500 years. Some strong evidence that they are God's chosen nation. Let's talk about some of the Jewish holy days. Some of the Jewish holy days. First, there's the Sabbath. The Sabbath. The Sabbath is the holy day of rest. The holy day of rest in honor of God's creation work. The holy day of rest in honor of God's creation work. It's, it's rest from their labor, rest from their work on Saturdays, the seventh day, in honor, done in honor of God's resting on the seventh day after he had completed his creation work, which took six days. Uh, Christians work on, uh, uh, usually fellowship and worship on Sunday celebrating not God's creation work, but God's redemption work and the fact that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead on a Sunday. Another holy day, the Passover. The Passover. When God was, had raised up Moses to deliver the Israelites from bondage in Egypt, Pharaoh refused to allow the Israelites to be freed. A series of nine plagues were placed upon the Egyptians by God. Still Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not allow the Israelites to go. So then God instituted the tenth plague when he sent the angel of death to slay the firstborn son of all Egyptian households. However, God instructed Moses and the nation of Israel to sacrifice a lamb. 
and to eat the Passover meal. The lamb would be the Passover lamb, but to take the blood of the lamb and to apply it, to sprinkle it on the doorpost, so that the angel of death, when he went into Egypt to slay the firstborn Egyptian son, he would pass over for judgment every house that had the blood of the lamb, the blood of the Passover lamb on its door. What the Jews do not recognize is that Jesus Christ, as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. John the Baptist in John chapter 1, verse 29 stated, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Because of our sinfulness, because none of us can uphold God's holy standards, because we all fall short, we will be judged, we will be thrown into the eternal lake of fire and suffer the flames of hell forever unless we are washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Unless we have trusted in the true Passover Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll be passed over for judgment by the shed blood of the Lamb of God who died to take away the sins of the world. Jewish Holy Days, the Sabbath, the Holy Day of Rest in honor of God's creation work, they rest on Saturday, the Passover, celebrating the fact that God spared the lives of the Jewish firstborn in Egypt, but it points forward to Calvary when the Lamb of God would die to take away the sins of the world. Shabbat. Shabbat is the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks. It's held seven weeks after the Passover. Seven weeks after the Passover, it commemorates the giving of the Ten Commandments. So that's Shabbat. The Feast of Weeks, seven weeks after Passover, it commemorates the giving of the Ten Commandments. There's Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, late September, early October is when that occurs. Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, late September, early October. Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, late September, early October. There's Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonement. It's the holiest day of the year. Atonement means to cover, it means the covering of sin. This is when the Jewish nation is to confess their sin and they're to be reconciled to God. If the temple is standing, it's at this time, and only at this time, the only day of the year that the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies, the holiest part of the temple, and offers a sacrifice for the entire nation, the Day of Atonement. And of course, it points forward to the fact that Jesus Christ would die on the cross for the sins of the nation of Israel. And there's Sukkah, 
Sukkah, the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. The Feast of Tabernacles or Booths, it commemorates the ingathering of the harvest. Commemorates the ingathering of the harvest. The Jews used to visit the temple uh, during this feast as well as the Feast of Passover. Way, the Feast of Weeks is also, we, we refer to it as Pentecost. You have uh, seven weeks and a day after the Passover is the 50th day, Feast of Pentecost. So the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths commemorates the gathering of the harvest. It points forward to the Millennial Kingdom, the Millennial Reign of the Messiah. Hanukkah Hanukkah is not a biblical feast. Hanukkah, a Jewish feast that celebrates the revolt of the Maccabees. Hanukkah celebrates the revolt of the Maccabees. Remember that was the in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Celebrates the revolt of the Maccabees against Antiochus Epiphanes. celebrates the revolt of the Maccabees against Antiochus uh, Epiphanes. And uh, Antiochus Epiphanes made uh, the worship of the Greek gods the state religion. And so the Maccabees revolted against him. Now this is celebrated around Christmas time. This is when you see the menorah, the eight-branched candlestick, the menorah, the eight-branched candlestick, celebrated around Christmas time. A few general terms that we need to discuss that you'll hear tossed around. By the way, we should also add the Feast of Purim. The Feast of Purim. Uh, which is mentioned in the Old Testament scriptures. It's the Feast of Purim celebrates Queen Esther's, celebrates when Queen Esther intervened, celebrates when Queen Esther intervened on behalf of the Jews when they were in Persia. When she intervened to spare the lives of the Jews when they were in Persia. Feast of Purim. Now let's discuss some of the general terms we need to, uh, that we often would hear when you discuss the Jewish faith, when you discuss Judaism. There is the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Old Testament, the books that are authored by Moses, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. The writings of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis is a book of beginnings. The beginning of the human race and the beginning of the Hebrew nation. Exodus talks about the fact when the Jews departed from Egypt and wandered and began to wander in the wilderness. Leviticus, the 
the rites of the tabernacle, the, the portable temple, the rites of the priest, and the sacrifice, the animal sacrifices that were to be instituted. Uh, numbers, the people were numbered. They got ready to go into the promised land. Due to lack of faith, they did not enter the uh, promised land. God caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation died out. Then they were numbered a second time, another census was taken. Then they were ready to go into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy, Moses gives the law a second time, the same law that was given in Exodus. He gives a second time in Deuteronomy as the uh, Israelites are about to go into the promised land, which they do in the book of Joshua, which is right after the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. The first five books of the Old Testament written by Moses are also referred to as the Torah. The Torah. So a Jew may refer to it as the Pentateuch, or he may refer to it as the Torah. And then just three more terms I'd like to give you. One is the Mishnah. The Mishnah is the oral law, the spoken law, the oral tradition of the rabbis. Remember, and this is very important for us to understand present-day Judaism, that once the temple was destroyed by the Babylonians, without a temple, a house houses of prayer called synagogues were established and the teachers grew in importance these teachers of scripture were referred to as rabbis well they began to make oral traditions oral laws which they added to or expounded upon the Old Testament law and so the Mishnah is the oral law the spoken law of the rabbis The oral law was often a commentary on the Old Testament. Then came the Gemara, the Gemara. The, as the oral law was a commentary on the Old Testament, the Gemara was a commentary on the Mishnah. It was a commentary on the oral law. So you have the Mishnah, the oral law, or a commentary on the Old Testament. The Gemara was a commentary on the Mishnah, which is the oral law. So the Pentateuch or the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. You have the Mishnah, the Oral Law, the Gemara, the commentary on the Oral Law. And then you have the Talmud. The Talmud, the Talmud, which is the Oral Law in written form. The Talmud is the Oral Law in written form. It's the Mishnah, which is the Oral Law, and the Gemara, the commentary on the oral law, written in oral, uh, the oral law written in written form. So you have the Mishnah, the oral law, the Gemara, the commentary on the oral law, and the Mishnah and the Gemara, the oral law, in written form is called the Talmud. Those are just some of the terms that we needed to discuss. Then there's also three branches, three main branches of Judaism that we need to understand. There's the Orthodox Jew, the Orthodox Jew, 
who observes most of the ceremonial laws, of course they do not have the temple at this time, observes most of the ceremonial laws, he believes the Old Testament is inspired by God, especially the first five books, the Torah. So the Orthodox Jew observes most ceremonial laws, he believes the Old Testament is God's inspired word, especially the first five books, the Torah. Then there's the Reformed school of Judaism. The Reformed school of Judaism, these are pretty much the, the religious liberals. The religious liberals, they reject divine revelation, they reject the Bible as God's word, the Old Testament as God's word. They see the Torah, first five books, this is basically a source of ethics, teachings on what is right and what is wrong. And rather than looking for a literal Messiah, like many Orthodox Jews do look for, rather than looking for a literal Messiah, they they see the Messiah as symbolic language for the emancipation or the freeing of the Jews. They see the Messiah as symbolic language for the emancipation of the Jews. In other words, she says the Messiah was to suffer and then he was to be glorified. So too the nation of Israel suffered, but then it was glorified. And so the Reformed Jew, he's a liberal, denies divine revelation but he upholds his natural, his national heritage. He upholds his national heritage. He's very proud to be a Jew, as many Americans are very proud to be Americans. Nothing wrong with that, but he does not view the Old Testament as God's word, a very liberal view of the Old Testament. And then there's the conservative branch of Judaism, the conservative branch of Judaism, which is the middle of the road between the Orthodox camp and the Reformed camp. The conservative branch of Judaism, which is the middle of the road between the Orthodox Jew and the Reformed Jew. So that's three branches of Judaism. The Orthodox, the Reformed, and the middle of the road, the conservative Jew. On the remainder of our time, let's just discuss some of the doctrine of the Jews, of modern-day Jews. Some of the doctrine of the Jews. Number one, they reject Jesus as their Messiah. They reject Jesus as their Messiah. The Old Testament predicted that God's anointed one would come and that he would save his people from their sins, that he would deliver Israel from her enemies. Well, the Israelites rejected Jesus as their Messiah, even though in their own scriptures, Micah chapter 5 verse 2 states very clearly that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Zechariah 9.9 states that the Messiah would ride a donkey into Jerusalem and he would be given a king's welcome. 
as people say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord Psalm 22 states that the Messiah's hands would be pierced his hands and his feet would be pierced he would be crucified and that lots would be cast for his garments that's Psalm 22 and Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 to 27 Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 to 27 very clearly states that the Messiah would be cut off he would be executed before the destruction of the temple which occurred in 70 AD Daniel 9, 24-27, the Messiah would be cut off before the destruction, he'd be executed before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Isaiah 42, Isaiah 42 states that the Jewish Messiah, remember this is the Jewish Old Testament, they hold to the Old Testament as God's word, at least the Orthodox Jews and many conservative Jews. But Isaiah 42 says that the non-Jewish nations, the Gentile nations, he would receive a wide Gentile following. And Isaiah 53 states that he would be rejected by the Jews, by his own nation. Let me read Isaiah 53. That reads, who, and this was written about seven to 800 years before Christ walked the earth. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers so he did not open his mouth by oppression and judgment he was taken away and as for his generation who, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. 
By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. That is the passage that the Jews would reject their Messiah. Now these prophecies of the Jewish Messiah were written hundreds of years before Christ walked the earth. Let's just take a look at three of them. Isaiah 42 says that this man claiming to be the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, would be have a wide Gentile following. Isaiah 53 says he would be rejected by the Jews. And then Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, says he would be executed before the temple is destroyed in 70 AD. Now there's hundreds of prophecies that Christ fulfilled, but if we just have these three alone, that he was accepted by the Gentiles, rejected by the Jews, and executed before 70 AD, my question is this. What man claiming to be the Jewish Messiah was executed before 70 AD, had a wide Gentile following, but was rejected by the Jews. And the answer is Jesus of Nazareth and him alone. Now the Jews believe in one personal God, which is true, yet they deny the Trinity. You see, they teach that God is only one person, that the Messiah would not be God. But Isaiah 9.6, their Old Testament passage, Isaiah 9.6 clearly states that the Messiah would be called the mighty God. Isaiah 7.14 tells us that he would be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. In the book of Zechariah, when Christ returns, he's referred to as God. Micah 5.2 talks about him as the Ancient of Days. Psalm 110 verse 1, King David says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. And so even the Old Testament hints that there's more than one person in the Godhead. In fact, Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 48, there's a few verses in there uh, which make it very clear that God is more than one person. But they deny the Trinity. They also teach salvation by repentance, good deeds, and some of God's help. But as we saw in Isaiah 53, we see the same thing that we see in John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, which we covered in our lecture on basic Christian beliefs, that those who trust in the Jewish Messiah, who is also the Savior of mankind, will be saved. You need to trust in Jesus Christ the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of mankind to be saved. If you don't trust in Christ for salvation, you will not be saved. Look at John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. They reject their Messiah and therefore do not say they need to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Messiah or they will remain lost. 
They also deny Christ as God's sacrifice for the sins of mankind. We saw that in Isaiah 53. It talks about the fact that Jesus Christ was the offering for the sins of mankind, that the Messiah would die for the sins of mankind. It's also in 1 Peter 2.24, talking about Christ. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 reads, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So they teach salvation by repentance, good deeds, and some of God's help. The Bible says, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. And then they deny Christ as God's sacrifice. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ died for our sins, and he is the only way for us to be saved. Jesus Christ said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Then the Jews also deny man's sin nature. They teach that man could somehow save himself by human effort. Jesus Christ stated that it's impossible for man to save himself. Only God can save him. And Jesus Christ is the only way for man to be saved. Matthew 19, verses 25 and 26, and Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. So the Jews need to understand that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. And the Jews should anxiously trust in their Messiah, the carpenter from Nazareth, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they do as a nation, that will be the final domino to fall to usher in the return of Jesus Christ to the planet Earth. Thank you, and God bless you.